What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. This is the one-stop shop for all things coaching. We do not stop at training and nutrition. We dive way deeper. We touch on stress, success, entrepreneurship, lifestyle, and all things personal development. I want to help you become the best you. Now, today, we have episode five of the Nutrition for Fat Loss series. So, if you haven't checked out episodes one through four, I'm going to link those in the show notes. I highly suggest you do because each level, each episode, each part of this eight-part series that is going to last two months every Monday, each part of this series builds on the other. So we started with adherence and metrics. If we do not have adherence, we can't stick to the plan. I don't care how science-based or evidence-based your nutrition plan is. If you can't adhere to it, it's pointless. We need to lock in consistency if we want to sustain successful results. After that, we touched on calories, which is the fundamental key based on science that actually leads to body composition change. So if we want to lose fat, we got to create a deficit, but we need to understand why we need to work with calories, how we need to create a deficit, how we find maintenance, so on and so forth. And I covered that in part two of this series. Part three was macros. This is where we individualize those calories. So we have the calories that lead us to success but we tweak them and individualize them in a way that works for you. Your lifestyle, your preferences, your cravings, your goals, your performance, your recovery, everything, your stress. Macros are the key to individualization in my opinion. And after eight years of coaching in this game, it has been a game changer to allow myself to really dive into the science of macros and use those in an applicable way with my clients. So I really want you guys to check out that episode. Um, after that, we touched on micronutrients. So we touched on vitamins, minerals. We even touched on hydration, sodium, fiber, everything that is below macros in a smaller amount that influences our ability to stay healthy and adhere to those macros better. So a really important episode there as well. Today, we have episode five. This is going to be your daily diet. So on the pyramid of importance, the muscle and strength pyramids created by Dr. Eric Helms, which a lot of coaches uh, all over the world, I got to give credit to that guy, coaches around the world are using that system, but it is a fundamental hierarchy that goes up the scale in the order of importance when it comes to nutrition. His goes calories, macros, micros, meal timing and frequency, and then supplements. For me, I add adherence and metrics below that. I think his is behavior and lifestyle. Then we go calories, macros, um, micros, I added water and fiber, which technically aren't micronutrients, but I added those in because I think it kind of couples well with that topic. And then after that, I put one big triangle and say everything else. The reason I say everything else is because sometimes meal timing is more important than supplements. Sometimes workout nutrition is more important. Sometimes supplements are more important. Sometimes adjustments are more important. Sometimes we need to focus on periodization at this point before we even think about supplements because we need to make sure you're set up for the long term. So I kind of categorize the rest of the episodes all equally. I don't think there is an order of an importance with these because it's all individual. You, the client, are going to determine what I place first and what order I place them to get you to the result you want to see, which I explain at the beginning of this video. So this video is daily diet. Again, no order of importance, but this is the episode that we decided to launch today. Um, episode five is going to be all about creating your daily meals. So taking all the information that we have laid out with adherence and metrics, calories, macros, and micros, and then kind of utilizing it in a way that makes sense on a 24-hour period. How do you set up your meals? What do you do with your meals? How do you change workout nutrition? Where do you place protein? Where do you place carbs? Where do you place fat? Do you need to worry about where you place them? How many meals a day should you eat? So we kind of categorize this whole entire thing as your daily diet because I want to teach you how the composition of your calories, your food, the quality, the quantity, everything fits into your day. 
Guys, if you are enjoying this podcast, please do me one huge favor. Go leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That makes us grow in iTunes. That's really how we reach more people and how we get more downloads, which is great. But the other best way, which is probably even more fantastic, is not any marketing scheme or anything like that. It's simply word of mouth. So if you are enjoying this, if this is helping you in any way, and you like this eight-part series, please head over to Instagram or Facebook. Share this post now. Share this episode now. Take a screenshot link it, do whatever you can to just get the word out there and tag myself, Cody.BoomBoom on Instagram, CodyBoomBoomMcBroom on Facebook. I want to see who's watching it, who's listening to it so I can help you more, so I can thank you for sharing it, so I can thank you for listening to it and spending your time with me to educate better on nutrition for fat loss. All right, guys, no more ranting. I promise we're going to get right onto this episode, episode five of the Nutrition for Fat Loss series. This is episode five of the Nutrition for Fat Loss series. Today we're talking about your daily diet, which is probably not what some people expected the title to be. And the reason I say that is because we've been basing a lot of what we do off of the muscle and strength pyramid that Dr. Eric Helms created. This is kind of like our foundation. I've mentioned it in every video because I gotta give the man credit. He's a genius for creating this and it kind of gave us some kind of baseline or foundation to base a lot of our coaching principles off of. The pyramid starts with adherence and lifestyle for him. For me, it's adherence and metrics. We already did this in episode one. If you have not watched that, go watch that. That is the most important video to watch out of all of these. The reason it's the most important is because if you can't adhere to it, you can't stay consistent. If you don't have metrics, you can't consistently see what's working and what's not working. Therefore, you don't know what to adjust how to adjust, and how to continue seeing progress. So that's the most important video. We covered that before we even get into the pyramid. Then we touched on calories, then we touched on macros, then we touched on micros, hydration, fiber, vitamins and minerals, things like that. The reason it goes in this order is because those are going to be the biggest influencers for body composition change. We're talking about fat loss here. So we need to keep it in this order. Now, he has a couple other tiers on this, meal timing, nutrient frequency, uh, supplements, so on and so forth. I cap it at one last little thing on the pyramid, one last level, and I just say the rest. This is everything else. So the next four videos, including this one, is everything else. I don't like to put any of these things in a chronological order because for every individual, they're going to come in at a different level of importance. And what I mean by that is for somebody watching this video, meal timing and frequency might be the thing they need to focus on next. For others, it might be supplements. For others, it could be cardio and talking about training and other things like that. The point is, is everything else fills in here. We need to touch on periodization. We need to touch on nutrient timing, workout nutrition, supplements, how we place our carbs, food composition, um, gut health, all these different things. But for every single individual, those are going to become important and needed to be implemented into the plan at a different period of time. So for me to put them in an order of importance doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. The right method in an individualized coaching setting, which is what we do at Boom Boom Performance, is to make sure that we are giving people what they need when they need it. So I'm categorizing this as the rest, but the first thing we're going to cover in the rest, again, episode five through eight, nothing is more important than the other. They're all equally important and fall into this category. We're going to cover your daily diet today. And what I mean by this is how are you setting up your food? We touched on metrics and adherence. We touched on calories. We touched on macros. We know what micros are, what vitamins and minerals and what whole foods you should be eating. What do we do with all this? How do we set it up in our day? That's what we're going to talk about today. Determining your meal frequency is the first thing we're going to talk about. 
the number one most important thing to remember with your frequency of meals, which means how many meals per day are you eating, whether you're eating three meals or six meals, the number one important thing, you probably guessed it, adherence. What you can follow. They've done countless studies all the way up to, I wanna say even close to 16 meals a day, which I don't know how they did it, but we're classifying a meal, by the way, as a feeding. So if you have a protein shake, that's a meal. You're consuming calories. That is a nutrient feeding session. What we're doing here is we're splitting those up into a certain amount of meals. And in the research, what they show is whether you have one meal, two meals, three meals, five meals, six meals, 12 meals, it does not matter. If calories and macros are equated for and controlled, the amount of meals you eat in a single day has no serious uh, impact on the results you see. Now, that's based on research, usually not in uh, trained individuals, usually sedentary, just average individuals, and that's usually with everything controlled, but we gotta remember that things like adhering to the meal, your schedule, your work, your stress, your lifestyle, when your training is placed, those things do affect how our meals sit, and that's why we're gonna talk about those aspects later. Those things will dictate your meal frequency. And the reason I'm saying that or pre-framing it this way is because if you say, well, you know, science says it doesn't matter if I eat two meals or six meals, I'm just gonna go against the grain and eat two meals just to prove it. But you work out first thing in the morning, now you have shitty performance in the gym, you're not building as much muscle, you're not recovering as well, your thyroid and cortisol is going up, your thyroid's a little more stressed out, now we're getting poorer results over the long period of time, which most studies done are like eight to 12 weeks, very rarely do we study, see studies for 16 to 24 weeks, for example. Now you're putting yourself in a bad place because you're trying to prove that you can eat two meals a day and get away with it. I would go on the, the margin of error to say somewhere in the middle. Three meals is okay, six meals is okay, let's stick to four to five. In my experience working with thousands of people over the last seven to eight years, four to five meals per day seems to work the best across the board. Gives you enough time to eat enough protein, it makes sure that you're not under eating, it allows you to not overeat because you have too many meals, it's not a burden to eat four or five meals a day, your workouts are fueled, it just seems to be the best way to go. Now again, if your calories and macros are equated for, it's not gonna be a bad thing if you eat three meals a day. So if you're watching this and you think, I can't adhere to four meals, I'm so busy, I train in the afternoon anyway, eat three meals a day, you'll be totally fine. If you eat three meals and a snack, I'm classifying that as four meals a day. And I'm gonna show you how to make those more balanced and beneficial. But my point with this is, we need to determine your meal frequency first. Figure out what you can adhere to, figure out what your training and lifestyle allows you to do on a consistent basis and plan for and stick to that. The second thing is gonna be meal timing. And this is determining meal timing. These are gonna to go together um, and I'm gonna tie them together here in a sec. Meal timing is when you're placing those meals. It doesn't matter too much when these meals are, as long as we're spreading them out enough where digestion, bloat, things like that are controlled and not making you feel uncomfortable. If you're eating two meals within 30 minutes or an hour, you're probably gonna feel uncomfortable. It's too much food, too close. I would probably chop a meal down and go from five to four if that's the case. The point is, is we need to determine the time. The main reasons we need to determine the time are A, for our workouts, which we're gonna to touch on soon, and B, what our lifestyle allows us to do stress-free. So, look at your schedule. When do you have a break from work? When do you have a break from the kids? When can you actually sit down and cook a meal? Can you eat a few hours before bed so you don't have food churning and digesting right when you go lay down and get acid reflux? There's a lot of things that determine meal timing, but again, there's no 
eat within three hours of waking up, eat at 12 and 5 p.m., avoid carbs after 7 p.m. All those things are myths. They do not matter because calories at the end of the day are what determine fat loss. Meal timing is an adherence tool and it's a way to recover and perform better in your workouts, which again, we'll touch on soon. But my point being here, meal frequency and meal timing are two ways to tweak and adhere better to your plan. They are tools and methods to allow you as an individual to adhere better to your nutrition plan, to your caloric intake. The thing I wanna tie these together with is if, if these things stay the same over time, you are gonna see better fat loss results. And I say that with confidence because number one, if I know that I'm eating four meals a day and I'm eating at 7, 11, uh, 3, and then 7 p.m., those are my meal times. I'm eating four meals a day. I eat at the same time of day, give or take an hour, but within the hour, if I know that, it's gonna be a lot more likely that I'm consistent and adhere to that plan. Number two, if we do this, insulin sensitivity may be enhanced. This has been shown in research that if you keep your meals the same, your insulin sensitivity improves. If your insulin sensitivity improves, not only is it a good health marker, but it allows you to have better calorie partitioning. And what that means is that when I ingest calories, I take in protein, I take in carbs, I take in fat, my body will do something more beneficial with it instead of getting bloated or having gas or having gut stress or storing it as body fat, which is the big point uh, we wanna take away here. Having good insulin sensitivity allows me to take in carbohydrates and store them as muscle glycogen. So I feel full, pumped, and have a better workout. I recover better. And again, I don't gain body fat. I'm utilizing my carbs better. This happens over time as we keep our regimen the same. It's a really big thing to point out. And I believe there's no really hard data as to why this is occurring. But what I would believe or, or make the assumption that is happening is that as you get used, your body gets used to fuel coming in at certain times, it can adjust its energy systems, its digestive systems, its body clock, and all these different things, which are highly regulated from food, our sleep, everything, hormones, all these systems can regulate better and adapt to what you're giving it. Because it knows, the body knows now, I eat at this time, this time, this time, and this time. And it improves its insulin sensitivity and usually leads to better results. The other thing, and I do not have a good explanation for this, but research has shown that energy expenditure increases as well. Just from dialing in our meal frequency and meal timing, just from looking at these two things, setting them in stone and following that plan consistently, you expend more energy, which means you're burning more calories on a regular basis. That's a really good thing. We want to burn calories. That's the whole point of this fat loss argument, this fat loss debate and this goal. So if we can lock in our frequency and lock in our meal timing and we can stay consistent with it, our body begins to burn more calories on a regular basis. Is that from the thermic effect of food through digestion? Is that from uh, our body again getting used to this fuel and being more energized so we fidget more, have better meat, and we can utilize our energy better? Who knows? Could be all of the above, could be one single thing. Doesn't really matter. The reality is, is that it happens and we wanna achieve that. The best way to achieve that is to lock these two things in for your adherence, your preference, your lifestyle. The next thing we're gonna to touch on, protein three to four times uh, throughout the day. This could actually go to three to six times. Essentially what this is gonna be is however many meals you're eating, you wanna have protein every meal, but they should be three to four hours apart. That's about the right time for protein synthesis. We could even stretch that to three to five hours apart. But every time we train or ingest protein, muscle protein synthesis happens in our body. This is the anabolic response we want our body to experience to grow. Even if our goal is fat loss, we want this occurring. 
if this occurs during a fat loss phase, we might not actually grow more muscle because we're in a calorie deficit, but we will maintain muscle in performance and a lot of our hormones, especially guys with testosterone and things like that, much better on a cut. See, one of the most difficult things to do during a fat loss phase is to actually maintain muscle mass during a cut. That's why bodybuilders are so specific with their methods. They need to get on stage as lean as possible with as much muscle left as possible. But during that prep, they are purposely putting themselves in a catabolic state, which is the state of breaking down muscle tissue. It becomes a very difficult game. So the best thing you can do to save muscle while you cut, save performance and strength while you cut and lose fat, is to eat protein with every single meal and eat it every three to five hours. So now we know how to space our meals out. That usually is gonna help digestion as well, keeping the meals that far apart, but it's also gonna keep protein synthesis at a high rate. We kind of have this drip of an anabolic response going on throughout our day to keep recovery and muscle full and ready to grow or maintain. Um, the other point here, protein is the most satiating nutrient. I touched on this with macros. We have a higher percentage of our calories usually coming from protein because we need it. It's an essential nutrient, but also it's the most satiating nutrient. And what that means is we're going to stay more full throughout the day, especially on a cut when we're in a calorie deficit eating less food if we have a high amount of protein. What's the best way to utilize that protein to make sure we stay full throughout the day, which is one of the biggest things, uh, biggest issues or struggles people have with a diet is I'm hungry all the time. Eat protein with every meal and eat a good bolus of it. The muscle protein synthetic response, that MPS response that we get, usually happens from a minimum of 20 grams of protein per feeding, meaning you need at least 20 grams in a single se session of good protein. Usually that doesn't mean plant-based protein because the leucine and the amino acid profile of a plant isn't as uh, anabolic or beneficial to muscle protein synthesis as something like dairy or whey or eggs or meat. Those animal sources have a higher leucine count and that's gonna help that muscle protein synthesis, but we need at least 20 grams from an animal resource to spike that MPS response. And it kind of goes up on a scale till about 45 grams, but it's also a bell curve. It's kind of dependent on your body weight. So the lighter you are, the closer you can fall to that 20 to 25 gram, the heavier you are, the closer you can fall to that 40 to 45 gram meal or grams of protein per meal. But we want to do that every three to four, five hours and we want to have that much protein each meal. It's going to keep us full on a diet, keep us maintaining, so on and so forth. So that's the next big point, protein in every single meal. We don't need to perfectly spread fats and carbs throughout the day, but we do need to spread out protein really well. The next point I wanted to cover is a 12-hour fast. This isn't mandatory, this is completely optional, uh, but if we're gonna do any kind of intermittent fasting, this is the type of intermittent fasting I like. It's only 12 hours, which makes it pretty easy. My last meal or feeding was at 7 p.m. I can eat breakfast at 7 a.m. That's a really easy thing to do, but it's 50% of our day. When we take out 50% of our day from eating, we are allowing our gut, our digestive tract to have a break. Every time we eat, blood flow goes to the gut. Our gut has to do work. Our body has to create bile, has to break things down, has to extract nutrients, has to go through the digestive process, send it through our body, absorb what it can, digest what it can't, so on and so forth. That is labor. It is work on your body. We need to do it to survive, but my suggestion is to try to hit a 12-hour fast, even 10 hours if you can. 12 hours is ideal. This is gonna give your gut a little bit of a break every single night, and it's half of your day, 24 hours. 
The other piece of this is it's gonna also improve insulin sensitivity. That's gonna allow us to improve insulin sensitivity, improve carb tolerance, improve calorie partitioning, similar to what I was talking about up here, same exact concept, this kind of just doubles down on that. Um, this is a really, really good way to do the fast. You don't need to push it to the typical lean gain strategy of 16 hours a day, which in my opinion limits this, limits this, limits recovery, and it actually can increase stress. When we go into a fast, we increase cortisol. That's gonna be wear and tear on our body. So if you're a high stressed individual as it is, which most individuals are in today's world, and training hard, or in a diet, which you probably are if you're watching this, you probably shouldn't be doing too much fasting because that's increasing your stress. A 24 hour fast every few weeks is okay, that's good for autophagy and cell regeneration and things like that. But if you wanna get the benefits of fasting on a regular basis, stick to 12 hours. Get the little bit of insulin sensitivity, um, digestive help, and leave it at that. We don't need any more. They've done studies comparing intermittent fasting to eating throughout the day, calories controlled, and there's no difference whatsoever on fat loss. The main benefits of fasting are gonna be digestion, and if you do a long period of fast, like 24 to 72 hours, which is literally days of fasting, so you can't do it very often, those are the only times you really get benefits. And that benefit is gonna to be to clear out toxins, to help cell, again, cell regeneration, kill off bad dead cells, um, help with autoimmune-related stuff, disease prevention. But again, that's such a long period of time. We're not even gonna cover that today in a, in a fat loss series. The next thing, workout nutrition. With workout nutrition, we don't want people to overcomplicate this. So what my advice is, there's two things I wanna point out here. If we got through calories, macros, micros, if you've watched all these videos and we've got through this and you already feel like your hands are full, you're like, I got a lot to think about, stop right there. You can continue watching the video if you want. If you don't, pause it, go take action, go get the results. We don't need to go any farther. To get fat loss results, we've already covered everything you need to know. The next video, I'm gonna to touch on something that you'll want to know for the months and years of planning, but in the day-to-day -day setting, the week-to-week -week setting, we've already covered it all, calories, everything. If any of this confuses you, if any of this overwhelms you, if any of this doesn't make sense to you, click the link in the description, apply for coaching with us, you'll get a free call, no strings attached. Let us explain how this actually works in a practical setting. That's what we do for a living, we would love to help you. But my point with this is, I don't want you guys to get overwhelmed. So if you're already, on point, stop here. If not, we're gonna move on to workout nutrition. And workout nutrition doesn't need to be overly complicated. Once upon a time, there's and there's a ton of memes out there, like the one from the guys from Step Brothers where he's dying and he didn't get his post-workout shake. You don't need to rush to a post-workout shake. It used to be known that within 30 minutes of a, a workout, you're in that anabolic zone, meaning we need to spike insulin and induce protein right away to help recovery, help replenish muscle glycogen, spike insulin to help with growth hormone and build more muscle. 30 minutes meant, meant like people are running to the locker room to drink their protein shake. The reality is, is that anabolic window is more like three hours. You have plenty of time, Take a shower, go cook a good meal, and eat real food. Let yourself calm down first. Um, uh, Pre-workout nutrition, however, we do wanna bring that up a little bit. If you're eating three hours before, it's a long time to digest. So I'm just gonna give you a few tips on this. Number one, pre and post-workout. Whether you do it 30 minutes before or after or three hours before and after, you should have protein and carbs in that meal. Remember that no matter what kind of protein I digest, no matter what kind of carb I digest, it is not going to be readily available like that. When I consume protein over time, this muscle protein synthesis response is happening, meaning I have amino acids flowing through my blood, uh, blood all the time, ready to work, ready to help me recover. 
It also means that I have glucose in the bloodstream. My blood glucose levels are significant enough to train and have carbs for fuel, have carbs for a pump. My muscle glycogen, unless I've been in a bodybuilding prep or I have been carb depleted and haven't had a carb in three years, more like three days, you're gonna be fine. You have carbs in your system. What I ate last night might fuel my performance today at the gym and I haven't even worked out yet. What I eat 30 minutes before is not. It might give me a little bit of uh, that blood sugar response. It'll fill my blood glucose levels to allow a better pump. It might give me some short-term energy, but the bulk of my training is going to be fueled by carbs that are already settled in. Where this differs is that the leaner you get or the more active you are, the more likely you are to need to replenish. Meaning if you're in a bodybuilding prep, a photo shoot prep, or you're at the very tail end of this fat loss phase, you are getting more and more depleted as you lose body fat, as you lose weight. So for you, the pre-workout nutrition becomes more and more important. If you're watching this and you have 50 plus pounds to lose, it's not that important. I would recommend, however, having some kind of protein pre and post no matter what. That's gonna ensure that you're not breaking down muscle tissue or using amino acids for fuel, which is going to be going through the process of what's called gluconeogenesis, which is a very inefficient way of taking protein in the body and making it glucose to train. Carbs are the resource we wanna use. So for pre-workout nutrition, most likely everybody watching this is gonna to wanna to have some carbs and protein, but it's not what is completely fueling your workout. But it will hydrate you better, it will give you a better pump, and it's probably gonna help you perform and recover a little bit better. It's that extra five to 10%. What you ate last night, what your daily intake looks like, is the 90% of the results you see. So when we look at workout nutrition, the main thing I want you to know on a fat loss diet is that you should have protein pre and post because we wanna maintain muscle mass. We don't wanna break that down. We're trying to lose fat, not muscle. If you want to get an extra pump, you want to perform a little bit better and possibly induce better recovery, carbs pre and post. I would say pre, it's gonna be all about your digestion. I know people that can eat 30 minutes before and I know people that have to wait three hours before. And the more fiber and the more fat in that pre-workout meal, the slower that carb is going to digest. So if you have oatmeal with butter in it, eat that three to four hours before because it's gonna take a long time for that to settle in and digest and absorb and be ready to use. If you have pure white rice, shit, that can be absorbed within 30 to 60 minutes before a workout. Post-workout, same thing. You're probably gonna want a higher glycemic, meaning lower fat, lower fiber carb to help fuel that recovery within three hours. The last thing I will say about workout nutrition, we're not gonna to touch on intra-workout. We have blogs on that that I'll link in the description if you wanna know more about uh, intra-workout shakes and things like that, that's for another video. I'm not focused on that today. The last thing I will say about workout nutrition is that as we go into this topic, we need to remember that if we're looking at training as a modality, the more intense we get, the more likely we need to shorten that window. And what I mean by that is if I'm a CrossFit athlete, I'm doing very explosive, very high rep, very stressful movements, meaning cortisol is gonna go up, it's natural. When I have to run from a saber-toothed tiger in the caveman days, cortisol goes up, adrenaline kicks in, I can sprint. When I go to lift a barbell over my head, when I go to squat heavyweight, cortisol kicks up, adrenaline kicks in, I can squat. We want that. But we don't want that to consistently last throughout the day. If your cortisol goes up for training and it just stays up because you never spike insulin with food after your workout, you're gonna have consistently high cortisol levels which leads to more stress, less recovery, poorer results in the long term. So for the intense individual who is training really, really hard, sometimes it can be beneficial to after your training, try to get to a carb source, ideally with protein. This could be a shake with a banana in it, it could be a shake with highly branched cyclic dextrin in here, 
we're not trying to stimulate a ton of growth. We're trying to spike insulin, which has an inverse relationship with cortisol. When we do that, cortisol drops down. We can get into the parasympathetic mode of our nervous system, rest and digest, rest and recover. We can actually recover better. And then when we go to get that post-workout meal, we probably digest it easier as well. So that's my last thing on that. These two last things, carb placement. This is dependent on the individual. If we're in a gaining phase, we're gonna have carbs in every meal. We need to eat more carbs and we're probably gonna space them out for better digestion. If we're in a fat loss phase and we have room to do it, we're probably gonna space them out pretty evenly. Everybody kinda has their digestibility threshold. I know for me, I can eat 40 grams a meal of carbs and I'm totally fine after a workout like 100, but if it's a random meal and I eat 80 to 100 grams of carbs in a single setting, I feel really bloated. If I'm really bloated, something is not working right. Digestion, absorption, carb tolerance, carb partitioning, that's not working properly. So we wanna avoid bloat. So if you're somebody that needs to stay in that 30 to 50 range, space out your carbs throughout the day. If you don't notice anything, or during a fat loss diet, you're at a lower carb tolerance, I would personally recommend you placing your carbs around your workout in one half of the day. We call this carb bunching. That means pre and post workout I have carbs and maybe one other meal, but what that leaves is half of my day without carbs. What this also does is it keeps us from having this constant insulin spike, which if our calories are equated is somewhat irrelevant. However, if we can control insulin a little bit better, we might stay in that mode of fat burning a little bit better and insulin sensitivity is gonna be highest around our workout, so why wouldn't we put our carbs around the training session? If our goal is fat loss, we wanna utilize those carbs to maintain muscle, fuel our performance, and reduce stress. We wanna do that as best as possible. How do we do that? We partition, we bunch our carbs around our workout. We have that carb placement. It's the smartest thing to do. Um, this is something I've used and people have used and experienced over the years. At the end of the day, it's not nearly as important as overall calories. However, if we're going through all these different steps, it's worth mentioning because it's worth trying out. Um, I also noticed people's energy can be better. If you work out in the afternoon, you might do better at your morning job by keeping carbs away from the morning meal. Just have protein and fats, you'll stay even keeled energy and focus during the morning, have carbs before your workout, have carbs at night, go to bed, start over. Carb bunching in the afternoon. You can do the same in the morning um, or you can spread them out evenly. Again, it comes down to adherence, but again, it's something to mention. The last thing is food composition. Um, what I mean here is, is kind of actually what I've already been talking about with all these different aspects of splitting up your meals, meal frequency, protein in every meal. It's literally just looking at your day and knowing that I'm purposely placing protein, fats, and carbs in certain places. The composition of my day is methodical. It's well thought out. Every meal should have protein in it. Every meal around your workout should have carbs. Then I should place two to four servings of veggies in those other meals. I should place some fruit pre-workout or in the morning to help refuel liver glycogen. I wanna place fat in every meal across the day, but less pre and post, more away from those workouts. And at that point, I can look at my day and say, I have created good food composition, macro composition across my meals. And if there's any carbs left, that's when you can add in flexible dieting foods. If there's any fats left, you can add flexible dieting foods. But before you get too flexible, you need to look at your day, add protein in every meal, add carbs around your workout, get your servings of fruit and vegetables in there, evenly space your fats, and now you have hit everything you need to hit. If you have no calories left, I suggest you just leave it. It's a perfect diet. If you have calories left, be flexible, add a Snickers bar, do whatever you want to do, just hit your calories. Like that's what food composition means in this. 
All right, guys, so this is episode five, Your Daily Diet. My goal with this video was to show you exactly how to take all the stuff we've talked about and put them into a single day. Next video, we're talking about nutritional periodization, which is when we look at every week, month, quarter, and year. I'll see you next time. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of The Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.